Are you amazed at what Jesus does? Are you amazed at how He moves? How He forgives? How He loves? How He restores? How He convicts? How He believes in us? How wide and how long and how deep is the love of God for people. The last two days, I got to watch Carter County. (laughs) I saw many interesting people. Some of you were some of the people I saw. (laughs) But I commented to several yesterday... Carter County, the people, they'll give you the shirt off their back. Good people. But Carter County is full of people that do not know Jesus. So while we sit comfortably in our pews... There are those stories out there that have yet to be altered by Jesus. And while we're amazed by Him, they are utterly ignorant of the reality and the transformative power of a most holy God who created all things and caused them to exist at His Word as He spoke. And even though He is clothed in majesty, and He is our great God, He is one who has altered many of our delicate stories. He has reached down in the midst of who we were and who we are, And He has transformed us through His amazing grace. We must not sit back and relax and merely bask in the light of the Son of God. But we must, we must impact our world, impact our friends, impact our family, and impact our community. Because God is altering stories all around us. And God is moving in people's lives all around us. And there are hundreds upon thousands of people in this county that so desperately need Jesus. The reason that First Baptist Church has existed for 175 years... And we'll celebrate our 175th anniversary later in October. But our actual anniversary is June 21st. The reason that God in His providence and provision for us and for this community... First Baptist is here for the community. I had someone ask me yesterday from another church. We were handing out water and they said, You're not really sharing Jesus. You're You're not telling them... The truth, you're just giving out water. Why would you waste your time and your energy and your resources to do that? 
to which I respond because they matter. People don't care how much you know. People want to know that you genuinely care for them. The image of First Baptist Church and the people that have become a part of that and those are intricately tied together is a story of God's amazing grace. What used to be what I would consider pious and haughty and flaunty has become messy and chaotic and beautiful. Because God takes our mess God takes our rubbish. God takes our trash. God takes our filth and uses it to connect to other people. And what you and I realize when we humble ourselves before God (laughs) is the only thing that separates us between us and the rest of the community in many ways, is the fact that God is residing in here. But God does not reside in here for us to keep Him to ourselves. God resides in here so that He can use us to absolutely point people to Jesus. So whether it's flocking with those tacky flamingos... Whether it's getting shot by a gun-toting Republican for attempting to do it, at least they'll die and go to glory. Whether it's handing out water or whether it's simply just being present. First Baptist Church is here in the midst of a burdened, hurting community full of problems, abuse, addictions, and a whole litany of other things. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? We can't fix it. It's not in our power. Nor would God want us to fix it on our own. He expects us, He calls us to plug in. To plug into people's stories, to plug into people's lives. It's exactly what Jesus modeled. And if you look in the scripture in John chapter 1, Jesus calling these disciples. And these would be followers of Christ, the Messiah, the one true God. They want to know, they say to Jesus, Teacher, where are you staying where are you staying now that's interesting because if someone asked me if I'd gone on a journey where are you staying I would say well you know I'm not going to camp so I'm probably at the Holiday Inn Express and I would give that reply this is where I'm staying this is the address this is the location that's the way we would answer it but we don't find that here When the disciples ask, teacher, rabbi, where are you staying? Jesus replies, come and you will see. Jesus from the very beginning was inviting people, his followers, 
those early men, those early women that were integral in spreading the gospel and having their lives transformed. And the same invitation is what he offers today. The invitation of Jesus is one that he invites us to see what he's doing rarely, rather than just merely hearing about it. Jesus is not interested in the retelling of the story just to tell a story. The Bible, while it is historical and while there are many historical facts in it, the purpose of God's story is not to record facts for memorization. It is not to record facts about who did and what and how and why. The purpose of the Word, the purpose of the Scripture, the purpose of the Word that became flesh, the purpose of Jesus is always an invitation to come and see. See for yourself. Don't base it on what you hear. Don't base it on what somebody else interprets it to be. You come and see. Jesus invites his followers to come and see. And this is what he knows. Because when you and I come and see and experience what he's doing, our lives will never be the same. It reminds me of several years ago, I got free tickets to go to Carowinds. And I understand students are going to be doing that this summer. And they had put in a new roller coaster. And uh, my, I took my brother and Anderson and my father and we went over to Carowinds. And my brother is a thrill seeker. I think that's probably why he went in the military. He's a thrill seeker. And, uh, you know, I'm not really a thrill seeker. I mean, I'm just, I'm just here, you know. And uh, so we go and he says, I really want to ride that roller coaster. Well, I am terrified of heights. But I don't want to let him know that, you know, in that moment. I said, we'll do it. And I said, but first, let me watch the people. And he said this, you can watch from sunup to sundown, but it will never be the same as experiencing it. So... We got in that line, and we walk up to the platform where they're loading the cars, and uh, ladies, I don't know if you have this difficulty, but the guys do. You know, they strap you into these things, and you've got these hydraulics, and they lock in. Well, if you are, you know, if, if that lock-in is higher than what it should be, you're in trouble, and that's exactly what happens. So I'm locked in. I can't talk anyway. I've got a chest brace Whatever this is, brace. I can't move. And there's that exhilarating moment where you know that you're getting ready to get pushed and you're getting ready to go on a ride. You have no control over. And all of a sudden, you're, you're thrusted forth and it takes a while for the chain to connect and so you get jerked around and you start climbing. It click, 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 click. And I'm looking over the side. Oh, and by the way, I didn't mention we were in the front car. That's another one. <laughs> we're in the front car. And click, 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 click. And I'm like, okay, that's high. Click, click, click. I'm like, and I'm looking, how high are we going to go? 
And we get up to that, that great precipice, that moment, that one moment where you wish that Star Trek was true and you wish you could beam out of that situation and be back to solid ground. And before you even think of it, that nanosecond that you cross that threshold up top, it lets loose. And you start, and this is what I did. I tried to scream. It was like... And for the next 45 seconds, I experienced the ride of my life. I didn't do it again. But I will tell you, there's a difference in watching people scream their heads off and actually getting on the ride and experiencing it. It is scary. It is thrilling. There were high moments. There were low moments. There are moments that I don't remember what was going on. But isn't that true of life? There are the highs and there are the lows. And when you're on top of the world and everything is lying beneath you, that one nanosecond, you're at peace. But then when you begin a fast decline, you're just praying for the ride to be over. There's a difference in watching and experiencing. There's a difference in being in the boat comfortably, as Peter would find out, and there's a vast difference between those in the boat and when Jesus comes on the water and says, Come to me, Peter. And he forgets his mental faculties. He decides he's going to go against logic and reasoning of the day. And he begins to walk on water. And when you look at that story in John as it unfolds and as it recorded in the other Gospels, Peter gets a bad rap. He gets chastised because, yeah, we know the story. He began to sink that pathetic disciple. To which I say, at least he was willing to get out of the boat. You and I can observe all the blessings of God. We can see it in people's story. But until you and I experience it, until we stop just trying to look at the facts of the story, and we come and we accept Jesus' invitation to come and see for ourselves, we will always be disheartened. Because the invitation of Jesus is always to come and to see and to experience. Because when we accept God's invitation to follow, we get to experience the thrills of the journey. I want you to think about the thrills. I want want you to understand, just in looking at the Gospel of John, if we don't include any of the other Gospels, the things that the disciples would have missed... If when they asked Jesus, where are you staying? And he answered, come and see. If they had said, no, we'll we'll catch you later. We'll catch you next week when you're preaching. We'll catch you next week when you're teaching. No, they followed him. And here's just several things. One is, they would have missed Jesus turning water into wine. Now, the question for the Baptists in the room has always been, was it real? Of course it was real. 
It wasn't Welch's grape juice, people. That's not, there's no Greek for Welch's grape juice. He turned water into wine. Okay? Now, do not go out of here and use that as a prescription to drink what you want to drink. That's not the purpose of the Scripture. They didn't have Coca-Cola, okay? They didn't have Pepsi. Even their water would go bad. So there's a reason that they drank wine because most everything else would go bad. But they would have missed him turning water into wine. They would have missed the healing of the invalid who had been an invalid for 38 years at the pool of Bethesda. They would have missed the feeding of the 5,000 men and women and children with the 12 baskets left over, all because a boy with no name chose to show up and to offer what little lunch he had, five loaves of bread and two fish, to feed the multitudes. They would have missed Jesus confronting the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And as a result of that confrontation with that woman, many Samaritans began to become followers of Jesus. They would have missed the opportunity to see Peter walk on the water. They would have missed the opportunity of Jesus healing the blind man. They would have missed the opportunity to watch Jesus die in the depths of Christian experience. But they would have missed the opportunity to experience the power of the resurrection. Jesus' invitation is always, always come and see for yourself. Come experience it for yourself. Come and be fulfilled like you never have before because when you and I experience the thrills of following Jesus, we recognize that there's so much more to our story than the story itself. We are more than the sum total of our parts because God is at work in us. There's power and authority. There is fulfillment and compassion and love and grace and amazing things that we would miss along the way if we didn't come and see. So what about you? Have you just merely watched the roller coaster ride of life from a distance, admiring the bravery and courage that it takes to get in the seat? Or have you chosen to experience it? One of my favorite God movies is the Star Wars trilogy. And that Star Wars trilogy, I was in kindergarten. This will date me. I was in kindergarten when The Return of the Jedi came out. I had my own lightsaber. And there's a moment, if you've not seen the movie, you need to go watch it. It is spiritual. It is. It really is. It's an amazing movie. And I'll never forget the scene. It's always about darkness fighting the light, and just when you think that darkness is going to triumph, goodness and light win. Let me solve all of your problems today. 
Light will always, always, always beat darkness. So if your story has aligned with darkness, you're a loser. You're going to lose. Victory comes to those who are transformed from darkness to light. And in this movie, there's a scene at the end where Luke Skywalker, who happens to be the son of Lord Vader, Lord Vader, this dark, masked, iconic figure who only has to raise his fingers and people choke. I've wanted to do that in some deacons' meetings sometimes. (laughs) Not here. He just raises his fingers. It's a great movie. Great movie. But there's this scene after Luke has has confronted not only the darkness outside of his experience, but the darkness of anger within. And he has knocked Lord Vader on his tail. And it's obvious that the darkness is losing. Darth Vader says this statement. Luke, remove my mask. I want to see you with my own eyes. To me, that is the climax of the entire trilogy. To remove our mask... And to view the truth and the light and the goodness with our own lives and with our own eyes. To experience what we've not experienced. To remove the blockades. To remove those obstacles in our story that prevent us from seeing the goodness of God. On ordinary days in extraordinary ways. That is the story of the gospel. To remove the mask, remove the the, the pretentious nature that we carry, to remove this facade and to see the truth and experience it for ourselves. That, ladies and gentlemen, is transformative. That, ladies and gentlemen, fixes brokenness. That, ladies and gentlemen, rebuilds broken relationships. Because we become defined by what we experience. And some of us have had a steady dose of evil for our experience. God is the author of light He is the author of life. And he desires for you not just to sit back and watch the unfolding drama of history. He invites you to come meet him and join him in the car that he's riding in and he's driving. And to experience the exhilaration of the journey with him. To see with our own eyes, to experience with our own eyes. All of us need redemption. All of us have little things that need to be tweaked here and there. But when Jesus invites us 
to come and see. It is not to be a part of the audience. It is to become an integral part of his story. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what your week has brought you from or what it's bringing you to. But it's time to quit just talking about the experience and talking about what God wants us to do and talking about what God's will is and making sure that we are seeing and experiencing it for ourselves. Because when you and I make ourselves available, when we latch on to the truth of God and the hope of God and the compassion of God, it gives us perspective. Suddenly, we're not focused on what we want. We're focused on Him. Suddenly, we're interested in the small things that God is doing And we begin to see the interlinking of how God is moving in multiple people's lives all around us and how they all connect. Suddenly, what we experience in church and the vitality that we're hoping and yearning and praying for, we begin to understand, this is not my church, this is His church. And He has only just begun to work in our midst. And though we are broken and though we are messed up and fouled up, The beauty is He still uses us. The beauty is we don't have to be perfect. The beauty is that we're not perfect. The beauty is the God of perfection uses imperfection to accomplish great things. And His invitation is not for you. Come and take notes and watch the people of God do work. That's not the invitation. The invocation is not even come and pray a certain prayer with the pastor and then you'll be made whole. The invitation. You come and see and experience the transformative power of Jesus Christ. Here and now and for our future. So First Baptist Church, what is your pleasure? If your pleasure is anything but seeing and experiencing Jesus Christ for who he is, you are on the wrong roller coaster. If you're here this morning and you're so used, you're so used to buying into the lie that you tell, which we all have done from time to time, you say, I'm good, I'm fine. See, the interesting thing is, how many of you showered this morning? Let me just say, that's awesome. It's great. How many of you used deodorant this morning? Praise Jesus. Cologne or perfume? Deodorant? Cologne? Perfume? Crest toothpaste? Colgate? Whatever your flavor? It doesn't fix this. Take off the mask. Look into the eyes of Jesus and see him 
for who he really is. Experience him for who he really is. You will have the thrill of your life. And all those problems and all that pain, it will diminish. I'm not saying it's going to go away. It will diminish in the capacity of a God who desires so much to write your future, to write your story. And I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there is nobody else that I would rather write my story than the one who knew my story long before I ever began to pen my own biography. Let him write your story. Quit watching and start experiencing. Take off the mask and see the truth. Experience the transformative power of Jesus Christ. He's not finished with us yet. He has only just begun. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We look at this scripture and as you invite your followers to come and see for themselves, the invitation is still the same. To come and see and to experience a God who has given everything for this moment in time to forgive where we have failed. To not be defined by the failures themselves, but to be defined by the one who forgives and ushers in the forgiveness that we, we so desperately need. Lord, as we pursue you this morning, as we go into a time of invitation, Lord, it's always an invitation to come and see and taste and see that God indeed is good. Father, I pray for those today who are here in this room who are suffering. Maybe it's a medical condition. Maybe it's a physical condition. Maybe it's emotional baggage. God, you know the nature of our hurts. Father, help us to bring the walls down and allow you in. May your love compel us to surrender. Father, for those who are concerned about loved ones that are going through difficult times, Lord, we can't fix people's stories. We can't even fix our own. But God, that you are not oblivious to the needs around us. Lord, we pray for the people in this community, in this county. Lord, for the people that we give you the shirt off their back. But Lord, they don't know Jesus. God, you're not the author of their story yet. May we fervently, fervently intercede in prayer for them. Lord, help us to intercede one for another. Praying for brokenness to be restored. Praying for walls to come down. Praying for people to accept the call on their lives. Give us the courage. Give us the strength to get out of the boat and walk on water. And Lord, though we might sink, at least we were looking to you. And God, for those of us who come in this invitation today, it is always an invitation to join your family, to be a part of your church.
as we sing, may we experience God and the love and compassion and amazing grace of Jesus Christ. Give us a hope beyond hopes. Lift us up. Father, may we surrender our entire outfit to you. Open our eyes, open our ears, and most importantly, open our hearts to be receptive to the still, small voice that just merely is saying over and over again, come, come just as you are. Come, come and see. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.